Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. A little later, Jesus went to a city called Nain. His disciples and a great crowd traveled with him. As he approached the city gate, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When he saw her, the Lord had compassion and said to her, don't cry. He stepped forward and touched the stretcher on which the dead man was being carried. Those carrying him stood still. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Awestruck, everyone praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding region. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Making you carry your own furniture today, Nate. Um, super excited to have Nate um, come and preach for us. Uh, he and I have traveled in similar spaces, but just uh, getting to know each other in the last uh, few months, and it's been a real delight. He's um, nearly trained as a spiritual director, right? You're almost Pretty, there? A couple more months. A couple <laughs> more months. So um, we have lots of spiritual directors in our congregation, and super excited to have you with us, and thanks for sharing. So would you welcome me and joining Nate? Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Jenny. It's an honor to be here. And I just have to say, a part of me just wants to preach that way. Like, I kind of just want to turn around, and I'm a little jealous of where you get to look this morning. Um, but it's good to be here. I was able to preach or teach uh, a few months ago, but it was on Zoom, so I didn't get to be here and see you. Um, but it is an honor um, to be here, so, so thank you. Uh, would you pray with me again as we, as we just start to look at this passage again? Oh, God, thank you for this space and for this community. Um, God, may we take a breath and may you open our eyes and open our ears to what you want to say to us this morning. Uh, may your spirit speak to us through this beautiful story. Amen. So in this life, we are constantly facing decisions, right? Big decisions. Where will I live? Where will I work? Where will I retire? Where will I go to school? What school will I send my kids to? These big decisions and then little decisions, right? How do I spend my time that God has given me? How do I spend the money that God has given me? Who do I connect with relationally with more effort? How do I deal with conflict? And we have these, these kind of ongoing decisions of how we live our life and how we spend our life energy every day. And if I'm honest, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I get confused. Is anybody with me? Sometimes I think maybe I should have turned left. <laughs> maybe I should have had lunch with that person, <laughs> right? Maybe I should have gone to that school. Maybe I should have spent my money on this instead of this. Maybe I don't need a new pair of sneakers, my wife would probably say right now if she was in the church. These little decisions. Um, and if I'm honest, I'm so glad that Pastor Jenny asked me to preach because I, I started reading the Gospels more than I normally do. And there's something about the words of Jesus 
that always challenges me, challenges my assumptions, challenges the way that I live, and always is somehow beautiful. Like all these stories are so beautiful to me in speaking of how do we live this life? How do we live this human existence? And Jesus always has words that make me sit and ponder and kind of sit in my backyard in amazement of these stories of Jesus. So I hope that you find this story half as interesting as I do. Um, if you find it like a tenth as interesting as I do, I think we'll enjoy the next few minutes looking at this beautiful story um, together. But I want to set the scene and then look at this story um, again. We know that Jesus is from this area of Galilee. There's the Sea of Galilee Jesus is from Nazareth, they say, in this general area of Galilee. And if we remember, Jesus and his disciples, if, if, you, if you leaf through Matthew and Mark and Luke, you see lots of stories of them first traveling around the, the Galilee region. Jesus is teaching, telling stories, talking about the kingdom of God, sometimes healing people. And they kind of venture further and further out until at the end of three years, they finally um, move towards Rome, towards the center of power. But in this beginning part, they're around the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is starting um, his ministry. And it says that it's about 30 miles. The, the beginning of Luke 7, Jesus is in Capernaum, then goes to Nain in the story that we're looking at, and it's about 30-mile walk. So I want you to imagine these first few verses of Luke, and then a 30-mile journey, which they say may have been a couple of days of straight walking for Jesus and his disciples, and a, and a crowd gathered following him. And I, I must say, as an anecdote, I, I have an Apple Watch, which, which I, I don't know if any of you have one or have heard of one or have family who has one. It tracks all my steps and my calories and how many miles I've walked. And I just kept thinking, these disciples must have had great steps. Like, they must have had, like, a lot of steps. If they had an Apple Watch, it would be amazing. I wish I could walk 30. I mean, I would have great scores. Um, but imagine walking 30 miles a couple of days from one small town to another small town. And I want to look at this story one more time, if you would bear with me. So soon afterward, he went to this town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd was with him. He approached the gate of the town. Like, can you imagine, picture it, him, his disciples, a crowd, and they're a long journey. They're getting towards the gate of the town. And then a man who had died was being carried out. His mother's only son, she was already a widow, and with her was a large crowd coming out of the city. And the Lord saw her and had compassion for her and said to her, do not cry. Then he came forward and he touched the buyer and then the bearer stopped and he said, young man, I say to you, rise. And the dead man got up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Love that phrase. Jesus gave him back to his mother. And then the word about him spread everywhere. I want you to imagine being Jesus and having a lot to accomplish in a, very short, in a fairly short window of time. Luke 4.43, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. I mean, Jesus had a big mission, right? Like a huge mission to share the good news of God with the world and he had about three years in the end to do it. I get overwhelmed with a task I have to complete this week, right? Like I have to write these four emails. Jesus had to, to share the good news of God with everybody, with the world, so it would spread to the world. And he had a finite amount of, of time to do it. He ended up with about three years, going village to village and then to Rome. So I want you to imagine Jesus and his disciples 
walking 30 miles, getting to Nain. And we don't know their first objective. Maybe it was water and food. Maybe he had lines somewhere up to speak, someone to meet with. But they, they get to the city 30 miles away. And before they can sit down, before Jesus can go teach of the good news of the kingdom of God, this procession is coming out. And I want you to imagine the, um, the emotion and the tears. Back in those cultures, when there was a funeral, they would often hire even professional mourners to, to weep and to wail. So the family was not ashamed to, to cry and to weep and to wail. So if you can imagine this, this mother surrounded by others crying and weeping as they carry this stretcher out. And Jesus is interrupted, but he's immediately focused. Doesn't even, the story really focuses more on the woman, the mother, than actually the young man who was dead. But can you imagine this scene? Imagine the mother, and somehow Jesus' focus immediately goes to this woman who is suffering, this woman who is in pain, this woman who is in need. And not only was this woman grieving the loss of her son, which some of you may have gone through, I can only imagine what it is like. I have three children. I can only imagine what it is like to, to have, a, have a son die. But not only that, in her culture, this was not a very progressive feminist culture of first century Palestine. For a woman who was, was already a widow, her son would have been her provider, her protector in that society. That's how it worked. So now her son is dead. Not only is she grieving, she is in grave danger for protection, for financial stability. She is now in trouble. And Jesus, verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her. And he said to her, do not weep. The, the message translates it this way. Then Jesus saw her, his heart broke. His heart broke and he says to her, don't cry. He, he is drawn to this woman who is in pain, is in agony, and he's moved with compassion. His heart is broken when he sees this woman, so he says, stop. He cannot help but raise this young man from the dead as he looks at this mother in agony. Now, I want to make just really two related but, but different observations about this short story, and, the, and they're pretty obvious. They're not bold or unique or you've never heard it before. But the first one is that we worship a God who is compassionate. That when God took a human form in Jesus, Jesus could not help but walk by a woman in agony. Even though he had other things to do that day, he could not help be drawn to someone who is in pain. We worship a God. We pray to a God. We sing songs to a God who has compassion for human beings, who has an emotional attachment to us human beings, who, who cares about the ups and the downs of our lives, a God who cannot help but stop and say, I must interact with this woman who is in pain because my heart's broken. I can't just walk by her. We serve a God who has deep compassion for human suffering for us and for others, for all humans. And now, I don't know you all that well. I just met some of you for the first time, or you saw me on Zoom once before, and we've talked you know, briefly on Zoom. 
But I would guess if I went to all of you and said, do you think God is a God of compassion? I am guessing the right church answer is yes. Right? Yeah, God is a God of compassion. But I find that I need to be reminded of this. That I need to be reminded that the God we serve is not a God of, who is mainly leading with condemnation or judgment or anger or just being let down by me and my mistakes. But that this God is a God of deep compassion who sees and who cares when we suffer. Jenny mentioned spiritual direction, and, and uh, it's a thing my spiritual director often does that always moves me. does it fairly often as I'm explaining the, the hard parts of my life and the parts that cause me pain. And she has me do this, this, this thing with my imagination of saying, can you go back to that moment, that moment that was so painful, that moment in your life a couple years ago, a few years ago, that, that you can't quite move past that, caused, that hurt you, can you go to that moment in time and can you imagine that Jesus is with you? Can, can you imagine that, that God is with you in that moment and deeply cares about you, deeply cares about your suffering, has a deep compassion for what you are going through in that moment and has this compassionate love for you? And when I sit with that thought or that image, like that the healing begins to creep in. We serve a God of compassion. Second point is related. If we are seeking to be followers of this way of Jesus, if, if the way Jesus lived is the best, most healthy, beautiful, true way to live, then can we let ourselves be interrupted in our lives? And can we let our hearts be broken for the people we walk by? Can, can we let our hearts grow with compassion for those human beings that we walk by every day right in front of us. I, I went on your website and I found a sentence that I absolutely love. From your website, I didn't make it up, I found it from, from you all. And it says, this summer we invite you to slow down, connect with others, explore your inner being, and discover what it means to embrace true abundance. We invite you to slow down. If we're rushing too fast, we will miss the woman who was grieving. If we are running to the next thing, we can walk right past the woman in pain, or the young man in pain, or the old man in pain, or the middle-aged person in pain. We can just rush past them because we have big things to do. We have meetings, and we have things, and we have lunches, and we have stuff, and we can walk right past that person that God has put right there in our path. Now, I've lived in Oakland for about 15 years and started a, a nonprofit um, to kind of mentor young men in East Oakland. And I've wrestled for 15, 20 years of, of how does somebody like me partner with God to bring healing and restoration in my neighborhood in East Oakland? Like, like what are the healthiest ways that I can be in this space to love people, to serve people, to teach when it's appropriate, to be in solidarity. And I can look back and see there's times when I'm like, oh, I'm proud of that, and there's times when I'm like, oh, wow, I missed it on that one 10 years ago. But as I've been wrestling with the next season of, of kind of my work and life in Oakland, I've actually been coming back to this idea, this point that so often I have these lofty ideas. I'm gonna go to a meeting and have a planning meeting about how to love people in the name of Jesus, right? I'm going to go meet with pastors and we're going to do this. Or I'm going to go to this thing and 
and I'm just kind of zooming by people that are right next to me. Because it's not lofty and it's not cool. It's just the person next to me. And they might not look like the person that I want to help that day. They might look like something different. Um, I have a neighbor who's been my neighbor for 15 years on and off. And when I moved to the neighborhood, he knew me. I didn't know him. And he said, yeah, you preached at my church. Don't you remember this little Cambodian church and this thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, Nate, like, Pastor Nate, how... So I'm thinking, this, this is weird. This guy in my neighborhood knows me as this, as this person that most of my neighbors don't know. For 15 years, he walks from one corner down to the next corner where there's a corner liquor store. And he usually buys like a six-pack or a cube of like Budweiser or whatever it may be. And he is a sweet, wonderful man. He also, um, I want to be respectful, he doesn't have the normal social norms of conversation for, for whatever reason. He doesn't, he doesn't understand the verbal cues of ending a conversation. So he stops me quite often. I need to get the kids to school. I need to go to a meeting, right? I, I need to go somewhere and work on a I need to. There's things I need to do in East Oakland, right? And he stops, and I'll see him way up the street. Nate, Nate, how about those warriors? And there's this moment of, I don't, like, I have work to do. Right? I run a nonprofit. <laughs> like, I have stuff to do. He says, Nate, and we have a rambling conversation about usually the warriors or raiders. Basically, there's two topics warriors, raiders. Warriors, I can do really well because I love the warriors. So I can do that topic, I can do that well. Raiders, I don't know the raiders, so I'm lost. And, this, and the, the conversation is circular. It kind of goes to the same points over and over and over. And, and I can literally walk to my car, turn the keys, hey, and he, he's, just, he's still talking. And I had this point of sitting in my backyard looking at these notes and thinking, yeah, my neighbor is that person. Like, I have more important professional things to do. Things I put on a newsletter, right? And my neighbor has this deep need for someone to listen. He has, a, he has the most obvious deep need for a human to listen to his stories about Steph Curry. And, and I just want to run by, right? I just want to get out because it's uncomfortable and do my other thing. One more story. Sorry, they're both related to basketball in some ways. I apologize now for my basketball illustrations. Last story, and then we'll pray. Um, I, I coach at Ohlone College. It's a community college in Fremont, across the bridge. I'm new there, um, and I love it because uh, the guy who hired me, the head coach, basically said, will you be my assistant coach and chaplain? Like, I, I want you to love these young men and care about them like, like a pastor, a minister, a spiritual director. So I love it. And we have a lot of young men who are from Oakland, or even East Oakland where I live, and I've known them for years. So I have this built in about half our team. I know them. I know their mothers. I know what they have gone through. I know what they've suffered. Like, they are from, like, my, you know, my mission in life, my neighborhood, they're from there. So I just have my mind on them, and I, I, I do whatever I can for them. And then we got these, we have four players from Australia, across the globe, came here to play basketball. And they're great, they seem like they're doing great. I check on them, they seem like they're fine. They're very middle class and very sweet. They're great. And I was literally looking at my notes this week, literally in my backyard, like with, like literally just looking over the notes. And my friend calls me and he says, hey, can you talk, can I interrupt you? And I'm like, that's funny, you're saying interrupt me. Like I'm looking at this message on interruptions. I was like, okay, sure. Just for a minute, I didn't want to go back and look at my notes. And he says, our Australian guys aren't doing well. 
They, they are lonely. They just moved here, and I just talked to a mom, and they're in culture shock, and they've seen a bunch of things in the Bay Area already, and, and they are not doing well, and we're kind of just missing it. Like, and I just had this moment of like, oh, the East Oakland guys, they're in my head, right? Those are my guys. When actually every day this week I said hello to four young men who just moved here across the globe and they're 18 and they are in deep culture shock and, and deep what in the world am I doing and I can't, I can't do this. And I just walked by them. I just walked by them to do the thing that I thought I was supposed to do. But they're right there in front of me in pain and suffering saying somebody would somebody care about me. And so I, I wonder in this way of Jesus, if we could consider as we live our lives, yes, let's tackle the big issues of our day. Yes, let's ask God how we tackle these big problems. But can we follow Jesus and slow down and look at the person on our block, on our street, maybe in our church, maybe at our place of work, maybe at our place of whatever else we do, and, and not neglect those human beings that God has put in our path. I want to read you a quote um, in closing. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. I think I'm just going to keep using this quote for years and years. It's Mother Teresa. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love.